Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. We are ready to read chapter 9. Now, in our last ses session, sorry, in our last session, we read chapter 8. And at the end of chapter 8, the Hebrew writer, well, in chapter 8, the Hebrew writer was showing how the promise of the new covenant was made in the old scriptures. And then at the end, he was saying when God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. So, and whatever is becoming obsolete is ready to disappear or go away. So that was the end of chapter 8. Now, we're ready to read chapter 9. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and for the earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle, sacred tent, was set up, was put up, <clears throat> the outer one or first section in which were the lampstand and the table, with its loaves of the sacred showbread, this is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was another tab tabernacle, the inner one or second section known as the holy of holies having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered entirely with gold. This contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron that sprouted and the two stone tablets of the covenant inscribed with the Ten Commandments. And above the Ark were the golden cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, but we cannot go into detail about these things. I'm not sure why we couldn't go into detail about that. Perhaps they didn't want to for a number of different reasons, and maybe time was part of that. I don't know. Now, when these things had been prepared in this way, the priests continually entered the outer or first section of the tabernacle, that is, the holy place, performing their ritual acts of divine worship, but into the second inner tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, only the high priest enters, and then only once a year, and never without bringing a sacrifice of blood, which he offers as a substitutionary atonement for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. By this, the Holy Spirit signifies that the way into the holy place, the true Holy of Holies, and the presence of God, has not yet been disclosed as long as the first or outer tabernacle is still standing, that is, as long as the Levitical system of worship remains a recognized institution. In other words, you know, um, the normal person had no direct access to God. For this, first or outer tabernacle is a symbol that is an archetype or a paradigm for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which are incapable of perfecting the conscience and renewing the inner self of the worshiper. For they, the gifts, sacrifices, and ceremonies deal only with clean and unclean food and drink and various ritual washings, mere external regulations for the body imposed to help the worshippers until the time of Reformation, that is, the time of the new order, when Christ will establish the reality of what these things foreshadow, a better covenant. So all these rituals and all these things they went through, they were just, you know, they were just 
practicing. They were just things to help the worshipers until the time of Reformation. That is the time when Jesus came and would bring us this new, this new covenant. These people, they had no direct access to God. Only the high priest once a year would go in to perform that ritual. So that would uh, be for their their sins. That would be for his sins and the people's sins. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, that is true spiritual worship, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not a part of this material creation. He went once for all into the holy place, the holy of holies of heaven, into the presence of God. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, having obtained and secured eternal redemption, that is, the salvation of all who personally believe in him as Savior. For if the sprinkling of ceremonial, ceremonially defined persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for cleansing of the body, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Holy Spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that is, without moral or spiritual imperfection, as a sacrifice to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. In other words, he gave the perfect, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect, um, he, he gives the perfect sacrifice, the perfect blood, the perfect, um, I can't think of the right word right now, I'm sorry about that, anyway, he does give us that perfect sacrifice that that uh, helps us to attain eternal redemption. We are redeemed eternally through his sacrifice because his sacrifice was, as it mentions here, unblemished without moral or spiritual imperfection. And he was the son of God. So, I mean, there's all this wrapped into this. There's a lot here. So I'm going to continue on. For this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant, that is, an entirely new agreement uniting God and man, so that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has taken place as the payment which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. For there is a will and testament involved. Let me see if I said that incorrectly. Oh. For where there is a will and testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will and testament takes effect only at death, since it is never in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Now here we're talking about, he's making a comparison to, you know, a will and testament, our last will and testament, like when we die and we, we set things up for our family so that they will have what they need after we're gone. So even the first covenant was not put in force without the shedding of blood. For when every commandment in the law had been read by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats which had been sacrificed, together with water and scarlet wool, and with a bunch of hyssop, and he sprinkled both the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that seals and ratifies the agreement which God ordained and commanded me to deliver to you. 
And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the containers and sacred utensils of worship with the blood. In fact, under the law, almost everything is cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, neither release from sin and its guilt, nor cancellation of the merited punishment. Therefore it was necessary for the earthly copies of the heavenly things to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves required far better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf, nor did he enter into the heavenly sanctuary to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood that is not his own. In other words, he, just, he offered himself once for all and for all time. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer over and over since the foundation of the world. But now, once for all, at the consummation of the ages, he has appeared and been publicly manifest. To manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed and destined for all men to die once, and after this comes certain judgment, so Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, will appear a second time when he returns to earth, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. So this is all about, again, this is still all about Jesus. This is all about his sacrifice and how his sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice for us, that it redeems us, and it's that eternal uh, sacrifice, not a sacrifice that he has to make over and over and over and over, but it was once. He did that once for all and for all time. And we can actually we can actually partake of that sacrifice and get redemption and get repentant and repent and, and be redeemed continually through his sacrifice. It's it's something that we make mistakes and we, you know, have sin and, and do things wrong every day. But we can be forgiven through his sacrifice. His, his one sacrifice is eternal for us for always. So, because he has taken that burden, as it says here, he bears the burden of the sins of many of all of us. So, all right, so that is Hebrews chapter 9. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.